Now back to Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. There's a new book out this month called American Shield, The Immigrant Sergeant Who Defended Democracy. Bill Luter uh, reviewed the book, oh gosh, a month or so ago, and wrote this. There are other books that give the inside perspectives into the events of January 6th, including Fanon's Hold the Line and Dunn's Standing My Ground. But what makes Gunnell's story unique is that it's told by an immigrant, someone who chose to come to this country and become a citizen and who felt personally responsible for defending the institutions of American democracy. He writes at one point, As an immigrant, I took seriously my pledge to defend and protect the Constitution of the United States against foreign and domestic threats, even if that threat was the president and the members of Congress who abetted him. The book is American Shield. Aquilino Gonell joins us now to talk about it. Thank you, Sergeant, so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, John. Um, you know, uh, Bill is right. We we have read uh, different perspectives on January 6th from those who were attacked, from those who put their lives on the line to defend the Capitol. But yours is different in that it is also an immigrant experience. How do you think that changed your attitude to the work you were doing defending the Capitol and what you experienced on January 6th? Uh, it's very poignant. Uh, you know, when you take a look and, and into account everything that I had done uh, throughout my career and also uh, as a soldier than myself uh, back in the days, uh, I wasn't born here in this country. Um, and I think that's what makes it more powerful and more compelling that I had checked each and every box of what many Republicans say a typical immigrant should look like and be, and yet uh, I had done all these things, uh, and I checked each box, and yet they still uh, demonized me. They still don't support what we did on January 6th. And, you know, last week, um, even the former president said that the people who assaulted us and assaulted the Capitol, there are... Uh, patriots and, and hostages. So meaning that we were the, the uh, hostage takers, apparently, not the defender of the capital and our democracy. You mentioned your no. career. Tell tell my audience about your career before you came to be working at the Capitol January 6th, particularly your military service. Um, I had Age 21, I joined the military, literally like a day before, 21. Uh, and I was there, uh, and then um, um, 9-11 happened, and I joined the military because I needed how to pay, figured out how to pay for my college. But uh, after 9-11, that seems irrelevant, and it was to me. Um, I felt that not only America was attacked, but myself. Uh, and that led me to uh, volunteer for some uh, deployments and, and, and assignments uh, to 
arresting uh, people uh, at the ground zero. Uh, but on, I and, and because of that, I ended up going to Iraq um, on, in 2003. I uh, spent a year of service overseas uh, where I saw um, a lot of bad things happen, not only to me, but to my colleagues. I also saw uh, other soldiers doing bad things to the Iraqi population. Uh, and I, uh, as I allude in, in, in my book, American Shield, uh, I also had family issues, uh, many of them that I had in adversities that I had to overcome uh, in order to be accepted, in order for me to um, find myself and my voice uh, as well. Well, I know you were born in the Dominican Republic and you came to the United States not speaking any English. What other family situations are you referring to that you had to overcome to be successful? Well, not only did I have to learn the language, but I also had to assimilate to the culture. It was a culture shock to me. Uh, my father also had a, sec- a second family that we didn't know. And later on, find out uh, after he was uh, stabbed two times, and uh, we had to deal with that ramification. Uh, we also were not a well-off family, so we were struggling. Uh, he was the breadwinner after he got stabbed, and we had to step it up a little bit. Uh, I helped my mom uh, sell uh, empanadas uh, door-to-door. Uh, then I became a car washer. Um, then I, uh, a boy st- uh, stalker, um, food stalker at the bodegas. I also had to um, become become a mechanic at uh, flat tire tech. Uh, until I, later on, I became a security guard uh, right after 9-11. That, uh, and kind of like, you know, in a way, that also planted a seed for me to become a police officer because I was like, it you know being a security guard if something happened to me or if something happened to other people like I cannot defend them and if something happened to me then I I won't have any benefit because it's just a, a job for security not somebody who can protect people with a gun and arrest uh, uh, anyone that evildoers um, so that kind of led me to to make the commitment to become a full uh, police officer as well. Tell me about your journey to being um, on the Capitol steps uh, January 6th, your professional journey, how you got there. Um, as I mentioned in the book, American Shield, I um, I took a trip uh, trying to avoid uh, my, uh, my school work, uh, high school. Uh, at that time, I didn't, I was, I was struggling with the language, with the classes. So one of the teachers uh, kind of like got to talking uh, to me about how messed up I was doing. Uh, she sent me out uh, on the trip. That trip happened to clearly give me a, a different perspective of what I was, what was I doing. Uh, and I changed my way. Uh, to, but on that trip, I, I learned uh, a lot about the American system, about uh, the Capitol. Uh, I met a nice police officer who also instilled in me the seed of, of wanting to be somebody who protected all the people. And I took that to heart. And uh, from that point on, I changed my way. I, I improved my grades. 
and, and never looked back. Uh, I even made the the uh, the honor rolls uh, in high school again, and also in college. I made the gym list multiple times, and I graduated with honors as well. In so I part- completely changed. Yeah, <laughs> I, in, I completely in changed. Basically, yeah. I, I well, you grew up, and you know, you were somebody who cared about other people and you know i think eventually that affects the choices that somebody makes uh in part two of your book american shield you start off with uh the events of january 6th starting at 4 a.m when your alarm went off it must have seemed like a normal morning. Talk about the morning before you left the house. Um, I mean, the, the book is, is it has January 6th, but it's not a, just entirely about January 6th. It's also talk about how I had shielded not only myself from a lot of things, but also my family, relatives, mm-hmm. and the public as well, both in the, as an officer and as a soldier. And on January 6th, uh, the day um, when I left to work, it seemed like a normal day, but I knew that there were a lot of threats uh, coming out, uh, given that the former president was invoking uh, people to show up uh, on January 6th uh, to stop the steal. He saw that date as the last um, um, chance for him to remain in power, and that's what uh, led all those people to um, to converge uh, at the Capitol, uh, especially after he um, made that that call and, and told people to head to the Capitol and, and um, you know let their voice and uh, by any means uh, be heard, uh, and we did our best to keep everything uh, peaceful. However, they were uh, the rioters were not peaceful towards us. Uh, and we gave him a lot of latitude in terms of when, uh, in terms of time, uh, before we made the decision that they were being uh, disrupted, they were being chaotic, uh, and also uh, that we need, needed to be um, restoring order, regardless of what they were throwing at us. And, and that's what we did. Um, I lo- we lost the police line. Um, I was there all over the place. Uh, trying to coordinate, trying to um, keep my fellow officers from being injured, uh, and those people who continue uh, to assault us, regardless whether we were in, in uniform, because I did have uh, the right gear. Uh, the, I was part of the civil disturbance unit, and it didn't matter whether I was in plain clothes or uniform, uniform or in CVU gear they still attack us. Uh, and these are th- those attacks were coming from the very same people that claimed to back the blue. Um, except for that day, I guess they, 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 didn't, they didn't think that Blue Lives Matter, blue lives matter uh, and, and decided to take it up on themselves to assault us multiple times, sometimes uh, me uh, individually as a group, uh, simultaneously, uh, it didn't matter, but they they didn't have our, our interest uh, to restore order because they were wanted uh, the riot to to happen, and 
uh, injure people, chase them, hunt them room by room. Uh, I was attacked. Um, I sustained multiple injuries. The most severe ones were uh, my right foot. I had surgeries. I had eight screws in one plate. Um, After the surgery, uh, on my shoulder, I have some limitations still. Uh, I'm able to do a lot of things, but not police work because at any moment you have to be ready for to make an arrest or put your hands on somebody. I'm a civilian. Um, I could walk away or at least try to walk away from it and not get involved. As a police officer, it's my duty to, to intervene. I can't do that. All they got to do is twist my my arm one way and I'm, I'm out. They commissioned. Um, I had both my hands were bleeding uh, on that day. Um, as a matter of fact, next, next month I'll, I'll be in court uh, for sentencing for one, the guy who hit me in my hand. Um, even even having being pl- uh, having the, the gear, uh, I was still injured by some of the, the hits. They grabbed anything that they could get their hands on and threw at us, flagpole, pipes, bike racks uh, that they broke down and used that as spears to throw at us and, and Pokos with with it, including flagpoles with the flag still attached. Um, they threw batteries uh, at us, um, um, cans of soda full, um, frozen sodas and things like that. Um, ladder uh, guardrails from from uh, from uh, the steps that they broke down. So there's a lot of things that they they took down. From the inauguration stage that was being built and it was not completed, they took tore it down and then used those same furniture and, and uh, wood uh, boards and things like that to throw at us, including sledgehammers and hammers, speakers, uh, you name it, whatever you, they got their hands on it. Um, to the point that we uh, retreated um, up to the stage, um, on top of the stage. And then even once we got there, we still retreated some more inside the building. And after we closed that, that door, so within a minute, they broke down that door and began to fight us. And that's when I heard uh, the call from Metropolitan Police uh, commander um, stating, we're not going to lose the Capitol. We're going to go back to all CEU. And I heard shields to the front. Uh, we need shields. We need shields. And that's what I did. Um, I happened to be one of the few officers who still had shields. Um, so when it came to the, um, to the decision to, to go to the front, I, did, I didn't hesitate. Uh, because I knew I was fighting for not only for my colleagues, for myself, but also for this country that had given me a lot of opportunities. As an immigrant myself, I saw that as an as an opportunity to continue to fight back. I didn't care about um, who was I protecting. I didn't care about the Democrat or Republican. I cared that it was an attack on us, on our uh, fellow officers, on our country. And the irony is that um, the people who were attacking were native born, and the people, a lot of the officers, 
who were defending their art, foreigners, naturalized citizens. And that hurts. That hurts because um, a lot of time you hear the Republicans side say, well, there's an invasion. People, foreigners are, or, or, or immigrants are invading this country. Well, mm-hmm. last time I checked, people who were invading the capital, the people who chased them away out, out of the capital, there were Trump supporters. Uh, not Antifa, not immigrant, not Muslim, or any other group. It was Trump supporters who interrupted the transfer of power and chased them down away from the capital. Do you think, with your immigrant experience, and you said some of the other officers that day were of um, had had immigrated to this to this country because you chose this country. It was an, a conscious act for you to say yes. This is the country that I am going to be a part of. I am going to support this country. Do you think it's possible? That maybe you care more. Sometimes when I think something's handed to somebody, when they're born to it, they don't appreciate it as much as when it's something that they actually have to work for and choose. Do you think that's the case with you? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, when, as I mentioned in the book, I almost didn't come back on one of my trips to the Dominican Republic because I felt like, I wasn't sitting right in this country. I wasn't meant to be in this country. And if it was my uh, my uh, grandfather who convinced me to return, but I was willing to give up in America. And a lot of things that we hear, well, especially when you live overseas, is America is the line of opportunity. America is the line where everybody is held accountable. And I actually bought into that. Actually bought into that. And maybe... That's one of the reasons why I joined the military. That's one of the reasons why I continue my service as a police officer. And that's one of the reasons why I continue to testify uh, and, and give my testimony to the FBI, to put, to the prosecutor, and also to the media whenever uh, it comes up. But I think a lot of people take the United States for granted. And we don't, because we've seen what's out there. We've seen how chaotic and pro- problematic it is outside the uh, the borders of the United States. Um, I saw it firsthand because uh, I lived in a, I lived in the Metropolitan as a kid. And also when I went to Iraq, I spent a year and I did the, uh, the, that deployment and watching and, and seeing the population, how they live and all the struggle and all the things you, you had to go through. Uh, I don't know if uh, people can relate to that unless you mm-hmm. actually live there. And many people who were attacking the Capitol, they don't know that it's a lot worse out there. Um, and, and I don't know. It, it, it's very traumatic. Uh, I happen to have a, a, a lot of support uh, from my family and, and relatives. Um, I think uh, having that support uh, eased my trauma uh, from my PTSD, both from the military and also from January 6th. And I think without that, uh, I probably would would be a a statistic, kind of like why some of the other officers themselves, uh, um, they die by suicide because perhaps Mm -hmm. they couldn't uh, comprehend or 
one of having the same people who we sworn to protect, that we protected, that we saved their lives on January 6th. Now I call you the people, the very same people who attacked us in full uniform. They call us, um, they call those people patriots, peaceful, loving, uh, political discourse. They do stuff, um, hostages, and political prisoners. Now, they wouldn't have been calling those people those names unless they were, if they were facing those people, how relentless they were, how violent they were, not only to me, but to my colleagues. Um, I had the scars, I had the videos, the pictures, I had the medical bills, I had the trauma. And for those people who we risk our lives defending, now they betray us, they desecrate our sacrifices by calling those people anything else but traitors, rioters, and insurrectionists. And there is a wishful thinking that they say, oh, these are patriots. But when they do that, or when they call them hostages, what does that make me then? Yeah. As a police officer, as a soldier, that makes me the bad guy of this story. Was I the bad guy? Was I the Am I the hostage taker? Or did I defend them? Did, did I defend the Capitol? Did I, did I give those politicians the time to escape? Because that's what I did. Um, I, I still bothers me that some of the same, same people, like Mike Pence, Jim Jordan, these are people who, have, who are material witness to the attack of January 6th. And especially um, Mike Pence, because he knew what Trump was planning to do on January 6th. He could have gone to the media. He could have used a tweet. He could have done anything else. And he kept it quiet until January 6th happened. And he, he put his finger up and said, let me see where the wind is going. Mm-hmm. At no point did he the law enforcement community and say, this is going to happen. We need to reinforce the Capitol. And then he turned around and say, you know what? Um, Trump wanted me to do this. And then he said, oh, I did my job. I kept my off. No, he didn't. You have information. You still do have information. And you still remain quiet for your political motivation, political gain. The same thing with Jim Jordan. He was coordinating a lot of things of that day, and he's still a member of Congress, which I believe he shouldn't be under the 14th Amendment uh, insurrection uh, clause that is in there. But they're not the only one. There are others. Um, unfortunately, I think if people really pay attention, the January 6th was a lot worse because you had the next three people in the line of succession to the presidency, the vice president, along with his daughter, wife, in the nuclear codes, the Speaker of the House, and the Senate pro tem. These are the next three people in the line of succession to the presidency. If something were to happen to one of them, the former guy would have been staying in power. And he let coordinate an attack, orchestrate an attack on a branch of his own government. And this is a person that a lot of Republicans want back in power. What did I risk my life for then? When, why, when myself and other 
probably 40 officers held down that post on the arch of the Capitol. We made our stand. We did not let anybody go through there when they were running scared, when they fear for their life. You know, two weeks ago, I think, um, Congressman Kemp, uh, Buck, he was saying, well, I'm not voting for Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House, but then I'm getting threats. My family's getting threats. Well, now you care because you are the end of the stick, because you are the target of the threats. What about us when we were facing the threat? You got to go home to your safety. You got to go home to your family. We didn't. We were beat up, exhausted, tired, bleeding, bloodied crying, mutilated, and we held the line for all of them to turn around and say nothing happened. This this was a political discourse, or it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad for who? For who? Tell that to Officer Sigmund, who died by the next day. Tell that to Michael Fanon, who ended up sustaining heart attack and all the injuries. Tell that to me, who had two surgeries in months and months, almost a year and a half of recovery. And I still have recurring uh, pain on some, some, most of the time. There are all the officers, officially there were 140 officers injured that day, but they were born. A lot of us, we didn't want to report our injuries. So we kept quiet. And we hope that because the magnitude and the severity of what happened, that most of the Republicans, most of the country, most of the elected officials, they will have come together and see the threat for what it was. On January 6th, January 7th, January 10th, and 12th, and the week after, they knew who orchestrated that. They knew, and yet they stayed quiet, most of them, especially from the Republican side. Yeah. They sided with the phone guy. Sergeant Goodnell, your story is just amazing. The book American Shield, the immigrant sergeant who defended democracy, is also amazing. It is on sale now. Uh, This November, it has uh, just gone on sale. And um, just listening to you, I... No, this is inadequate, but thank you so much for your service throughout your life, and especially on January 6th, hearing you tell the story firsthand is really meaningful, and it it is really a day that we cannot afford to forget. Thank you for reminding us of what happened, and thank you for reminding us of your bravery and the bravery of the other officers who held the line that day. And thank you for being here. Thank you, Joanne. And I hope uh, people will take up the book and actually hear and listen and read it for firsthand of what I had sacrificed for this country. Uh, and there are many others like me who have remained silent. And I just hope that everybody appreciate and also understand the magnitude of the danger that this person, leading candidate of the United States um, from one political party, represents to not only to 
uh, our democracy, but for our country. The book, again, is called American Shield, The Immigrant Sergeant Who Defended Democracy. Uh, Sergeant Akalino Gonel, uh, I appreciate your time so much, and thank you for being here. We're going to take a break for news. We're going to be back with uh, politics right after this.